Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. So tell me, do you have children? Do you have loved ones that you try and support? Not just, you know, financially, but emotionally. Do you tell them that you're proud of them? I think that's one of the most insidious things you can do. It's actually unloving for you to tell them that you're proud of them. Well, in a little bit, I'll go deeper and explain my point of view. But I've become aware, and not just recently, but it was brought back into my attention of just how we go out of our way to try and establish or build up a person's self-esteem, especially kids. They're getting participation medals, like just for showing up, you know, the sixth place out of six. And the rationale for that is that uh, they don't want anyone to have bad feelings or hurt feelings. You know, sixth place, like in a swim meet, sixth place out of six, basically just says you you got in the water and you splashed around a little bit. And on another note, these parents that uh, abhor competition, like why does someone have to win? Why can't everyone be winners? Well, (laughs) there's nowhere in life that that occurs. There are winners and there are losers inside the context of a game. When there's a beginning and an end, there's rules. Somebody always prevails and other people do not. But this idea of giving people participation awards, kudos for just showing up, that's basically if you go to a job and you want the boss to take notice that uh, I'm so happy you got out of bed and made it today. I'm so proud of you. You know, people go to their job, they go to a place of business, and they want to be acknowledged for just showing up. And frankly, that's what your paycheck is good for. You know, if you were going in and they weren't paying you, then I could see an attaboy or something like that would be nice to hear. But that paycheck is acknowledgement that you're valued, that we appreciate you being here, we appreciate you doing what you're doing. And as long as you continue to get that paycheck, then you're doing pretty good. But this, is, this speaks to the problem uh, that I first talked about, about when you tell your children, or maybe your parents told you, I'm proud of you. Make me proud of you. Like they want your, they want your behavior, or you want your children's behavior, to be something that you're proud of, that reflects favorably upon you. And like I said, I don't think there's anything more insidious than that idea. Now, I think it's important that if you have children, that you let them know that you love them, that you appreciate them, and that you're happy that they're on the planet. But uh, when you hinge their acceptance on your validation, your pride, I think you do them a disservice. Because what you set them up for is that later in life, they will seek out other people's validation 
to know whether or not they're okay, whether or not they're lovable, whether or not, you know, they have value. And the number one, the number one belief that a lot of people have, and I don't, can't say everybody, but it's that I'm not enough. I'm not lovable. There's something about me that's not lovable. Because you've been taught along the way that your value is determined by the acceptance of other people. And one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself is get to a point where you don't give a damn what other people think, at least not at the end of it all. Now, you can consider other people's point of view on whether or not your behavior is acceptable or, you know, can be questioned. Because I I have to, you know, throw in a caveat there. Someone that doesn't care at all what other people think is a sociopath. Like, whatever they do, they're going to do because they want to do it, and they don't care how it affects other people. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you can be in the consideration of how it impacts other people, but in the end, you need to become, you know, resilient in your own self-assessment. And that's why I suggest you tell your children and even your loved ones, instead of saying, I'm proud of you, say it like this. You should be proud of yourself for the job you did. And if they don't know why, you can say, you did this and this. Like my eldest son, my eldest stepson. I'll use him as an example. Not too long ago, I said, you should be proud of yourself. And he said, why? I said, you got this new camera, and he's into photography, he's into video, and you went off on your own. You went, you watched YouTube videos on how to use the camera. You went out and did light studies. You were taking pictures here and taking pictures there just to learn how to use the camera. And you become quite accomplished. You're a good photographer. So you should be proud of yourself. You see, instead of the locus of control being with me, I handed it to him so he could look at his own effort and either have pride or say to himself, you know, I could do better. A person getting that sixth place, you know, medal out of six, you can ask, did you do the best you could do? And maybe that day, that was the best he could do. Yet you can ask, could you do better? Could you worked a little harder? Could you swam a little faster? You see, I I think it's important for your children and for you to take an assessment, a self-assessment, and, you know, based on your own internal reflection, did you do the best you could do? Could you do better? Because, you know, going back to going to work, a lot of people are showing up to work, but they're not producing their best work. They're really not doing all they can do. They're not putting their all into it. And yet, they want kudos just for walking in the door. And frankly, this is one of the things that I disliked about working for a Fortune 100 company. Because I could not show favoritism. I mean, I could, but it would backfire and I would get an EEO or something slapped against me. So, if I had to treat basically everyone the same, even if someone was a much better performer... I couldn't show favoritism. I couldn't say, like, wow, look what you did. Look what that guy did. No, (laughs) it's like, 
I talked to them, you know, I would reinforce their job. I would tell them they were doing a good job, but I couldn't publicly necessarily call out other people that weren't doing as good or were just putting in their time, doing the least amount of effort. And frankly, through the years for myself, I never got that reinforcement. I didn't have a lot of people telling me how amazing I was. I had to look at my own performance and do self-assessment. Was I proud of the work that I was doing based on the standards that I thought I could do? And sometimes I was thought I was doing pretty good until I had a, a, a quantum leap in performance. And suddenly that new level of performance was the thing that I, I strive for. Now, in retrospect, I was looking at somebody else did my job while I was out, and their performance was head and shoulders over mine. And I had to ask them, what did you do? How did you do it differently? Because I wanted to find out, because obviously I was doing something wrong or they did something that they were cheating. And as it turned out, I was not being the best I could be in that area. So that comparison to somebody else and actually asking them, what did you do? What was your process? What were you thinking? I was able to model that and implement it in my position, implement it in my, my expression. And as a consequence, my performance rose head and shoulders above what I was doing previously, for years previously. But again, I was in that, that growth mindset that I could grow, I could become better. From the fixed mindset, and a lot of people are sitting there, if somebody else outperformed them in their job, they would feel as if there was something wrong with them. They would become jealous and you know of that other person as if they had to undermine them. They were trying to undermine their position at their job or something like that. Or let's say it's in business and you have competitors, you have other people, you know, they're basically doing the same thing you're doing out in the marketplace. Now, if you compare yourself to other people, you're always going to find others that are doing better than you, always. And you're going to find people that are not doing as well as you. That's the law of averages. So you can use others like I did as a benchmark for your performance on areas of that you could do better in. But in the end, who you're really competing against is yourself. And if you can set it up that each and every day that you improve your work ethic, you improve different aspects of your performance by 1%, 2% every day, those results will compound over time. Now, I like to use the magic 10%. So I want to move 10% faster. I want to get 10% 10 more done. 10% is easy for me to figure out. Let's say I can do 10 push-ups. So I, ten, I can do 10 today. Tomorrow, I'm going to do 11. One more. One is 10% of 10. And the day after that, I'm going to add another one until I hit 20. And then the next day after that, I'm going to try and do 22. Yet that day that I did 10 looking at somebody else, they could have easily done 50. But, you know, I can just say I'm not them. I'm not in the same shape as they are. I can aspire to get to 50, but I have to take a look at where I am today and then improve, incrementally improve my performance day in, day out. And if I just focus on my own improvement, over time, I'm going to be head and shoulders 
over anybody else. So getting back to your kids or getting back to your loved ones, instead of saying, I'm proud of you, say, you should be proud of your effort. You should be proud. If I was you, I would be proud of myself. Put the ball in their hands. Give them the criteria by which to measure their performance. Tell them what they should look at or what they could look at in order to, on how to assess their performance in a particular area. On the swim meet, coming in sixth, if you're proud of coming in sixth, if you're satisfied with coming in sixth, then by all means, keep doing what you're doing. Would you like to improve? Would you like to become better? And you can ask them, did you do the best you could do? What else could you do in the future? Because once you do something, you did it. You can't do it any other way than the way you did it. You can never, should have, could have done anything. So in, in reflection, you always project in the future. Next time when I'm in this situation, how do I want to perform? How, what do I want to do? What's the result? What result do I want to achieve? Because in the end, you don't want to blow smoke up your kid's butt. You know, pardon the expression. But if they fall down, you don't want them to lay there until you come pick them up. You want them to be able to pick themselves up. And then you can nurture them. You want to teach your children to be resilient. That if they get knocked down, if they fail, take an assessment of their performance. What do you need to improve? What do you need to put in place in order for them or you to do better next time? Because otherwise, if we put the onus on, you know, getting validated from the outside world, then you're teaching your children to change their behavior in order to fit in. In fact, I want to ask you, do you change your behavior in order to get acknowledgement from other people, to get love from other people? Do you not express yourselves completely? Are you inauthentic? Do you sometimes lie? So you don't upset the apple cart, upset somebody else. That you might present yourself in a false narrative, a false story, an inaccurate picture in order to gain acceptance from other people, to be acceptable, to, to fit in. Like, I, since I've gotten older, and the older I get, the less I care about fitting in, because frankly, it hasn't gotten me anywhere. And I truly believe we cannot manifest, create the life that we want as long as we're dependent upon the goodwill of others. You have to be prepared in, to upset people. You have to be prepared to not fit into other people's agendas. Because frankly, the biggest thing that I've learned is that you're either living your life or you're living someone else's idea of what you should be doing. Because I end every episode by living according to your inner signals. And it takes courage to do that, especially if you've been brought up, you know, not to upset the apple cart, you know, not to rock the boat in order to fit in and be nice, play well with others. I can remember having a, a client, um, I was, the daughter was actually my client. She was a gymnast and we were watching her uh, perform. At, at practice, and we were working out some skills and some state, mind, body, state stuff. And he was telling me just how stubborn she is. Like, she just is so willful, and it irritates him. And I reframed it, and I said, but you're going to love that, that she, will, she won't get in the back seat with somebody and put up with, you know, 
not being stubborn or not, you know, just going along, you know, just to be nice. And he said, oh, I never thought of it that way. And so we reframed what being stubborn meant. Instead of it being a liability, and when you're trying to get things done and you have willful children and they have their own agenda, you just want them to fall in line. I'm serious. You just want them to play, you know, and be part of the program. Yet that willfulness, that stubbornness will serve them later in life. I had another client who had, he, from his perspective, poor self-image. Because he was brought up with a single mom who was on drugs and he wasn't given a lot of attention and, frankly, not a lot of reinforcement. He didn't really have a good sense of self. Yet, he was an accomplished musician and he had taught himself computer programming. He taught himself how to ride a motorcycle. He did and had accomplished all these different things, yet they didn't really mean that much to him because... It was just him, like, pushing it forward. Nobody else was patting him on the back. He had never learned to take an accounting of his own gifts and those things that he could be proud of. And then he said, I, but I have this, you know, like this terrible self-talk, that's critical self-talk, that's always trying to, you know, tear me down. I said, is it really, is it really trying to tear you down? And this goes back to my intelligent design idea. What creative artist would design in you a program to sabotage yourself, to get in your own way, to tear you down? That's not natural. So whatever voice is there is coming from someone else, someone else's voice you've adopted. But then you need to look at what's the motivation behind it? Why would you be hypercritical of your performance? It's not because it's trying to tear you down. It's actually a part of you that has an elevated view, a higher view of yourself, and wants you to get in line with the program, wants you to step it up, be, I think you could be even better than you currently are. Now, it's not saying it that nice, but that's the intention. So recognizing that there is a positive intent behind that critical voice can elevate your performance. Just know where it's coming from. And then start talking nicer to yourself. Be a little gentler with yourself because, frankly, that critical voice isn't working. (laughs) So be nicer to yourself. Start looking at, okay, what in this can I be proud of? And what in this do I need work on? What is just not making the grade? And those things that could be improved, set about with a plan in order to improve those. Don't just look at it and say, I'm poor in that area. Oh, tough. That's, you know, but look at it as an area of opportunity. This is something I can work on. If I work on this little thing, I can be all that much better and better according to you, not, you know, somebody else's acceptance. So to sum this up, if you have children, start asking them, what are they proud of in their performance? What could they be proud of? What was the hardest thing they had to overcome? Start asking questions instead of giving your point of view. Are you happy with your performance? Are you, you know, satisfied? Was it enjoyable? What was the best part of your day? Start training them with questions to, to assess their own experience. 
And by the same token, start looking at yourself. What in your performance today, what over the past week can you be proud of? What are you thankful for? What did you love and appreciate about your life? What areas of your performance this past week weren't quite as uh, stellar as they could be? Is it an area of opportunity? Is it something you want to get better at? If you were to get better at it, how might you go about it? In fact, sit down and make a list of all the things that you've accomplished, all the things you've learned over the last 10 years, the last 20 years, and just list them out. Things that you're proud of, that you could be and should be proud of accomplishing. And then look at the list and tell yourself in the third person, Daniel, you should be proud of yourself. That was not predictable. That took some effort. That was something that was over the top. And you need to be proud of yourself and love and appreciate what you were able to accomplish. Oh my God. And that's a little mind hack. If you can position your reinforcement in the third person, in clinical studies, it seems to have more weight, more impact when you can say, Daniel, look what you did. You should be proud of that. <laughs> and you don't use Daniel. Use your name, but say it from a third part, like third person, giving yourself praise or even giving you advice. Daniel, you need to try harder. You need to work a little harder in this area. So I have something to tell you before I go. I've been watching you, and I've noticed some things about your performance. You didn't just start out knowing all the things you currently know. In fact, you were quite ignorant at many points in your life. You had some uh, strange decisions you've made in relationships, and those didn't turn out that well. And frankly, you should be proud of yourself because you learned and you course-corrected. You've had a number of times when you've fallen down and you've picked yourself back up. And if I'm perfectly honest, you have failed a lot. But the, the good news is each time you've learned and you've done better over time. And I think that's all we can really hope for is incrementally become better and better over time. No one knows everything off, you know, right out of the gate. Wouldn't you agree? So if you yourself were to look over your life at all the things that you've accomplished, all your failures and your course corrections, and frankly, all your bad decisions, but the amazing things about those decisions, that they were lessons that you were able to take and do better down the road, not just a little bit, but exponentially better. Had you not gone through that, you would not be nearly as wise as you are today. So, my friend, take an assessment of your life. You should be proud of yourself. This is Daniel Dano V urging you to follow your bliss. Live your life from inner signals. And by all means, live the epic adventure.